Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again this week, and uh, I, I trust that you are tuning in every week. We are uh, in the middle of a series that we're teaching out of the Gospel of St. John, and we're showing you, I think, some incredibly powerful pictures that should be convincing arguments that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. John 20 actually makes the statement, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, and that believing you might have life through His name. And I think sometimes we may miss the impact of the audience He's speaking to, because He is now the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets spoke of that has now come on the scene. And for the last two weeks I shared with you, I think, a, an overview of like almost the first 12 chapters of John, and consecutively showed you how that these hand-picked events and miracles that Jesus does are showing you something much bigger than just the fact that He stopped by and healed one man, for instance, at the pool of Bethesda, or why He felt like He needed to go through Samaria, because He was beginning to show them uh, that everything under the Old Covenant was a natural type and shadow, and He was in fact the fulfillment. Somebody asked me one time, how do you get all of this revelation? And my answer to that is simply this, I know what I'm looking for when I get into Scripture. I'm looking for Him. Because in the volume of the book it is written of Him. It's not about you, it's about Him first of all, and then you reap the benefits but it's about Him. And when we can find Jesus everywhere in the Scriptures, and I could just take hours and hours to show you pictures and snapshots of Christ throughout the Scriptures. John 1 opens by saying, Moses gave you the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And we showed you the comparisons that in Genesis 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made, in Him was life, and the life was the life. That's John 1. Genesis compared, Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the great deep, and God said, let there be light. In other words, He's taking you clear back to the Genesis motif and showing you this was the beginning of an old creation. But Jesus is the beginning of the new creation of God. Revelation, I believe it is chapter 2, said He's the beginning of the creation of God. We started showing you Jesus shows Himself to be at the temple. They think He's talking about the natural temple. He's talking about His body, the spiritual temple. He tells Nicodemus, you must be born again because you think it's about natural birth and your natural Jewish lineage, Nicodemus. But Jesus is saying to a master teacher of Israel, you need to be born again. In other words, your new birth is what produces it. New creation, new birth, new temple, a wedding at Cana, a new wedding, a new bride, new wine. All of these are powerful pictures. The woman at Samaria, a spiritual well and a spiritual drink, and a well that came 
to sit on a well. And when that woman left, she became a well and said, come see a man that told me everything I've ever done. And we started to unpack a lot of those things that we're going to develop exhaustively a little bit more as we get into this teaching. But I want to come back to something and revisit something from chapter 1. Now I know we finished chapter 1 some time ago, but in my recent studies I saw some things that I felt like I needed to share with you. And if we get going too long, I'm just going to let the cameras run and they can cut it and we'll send it to you. You'll be in segments. But I, I want to stay on this theme today. But here's John the, here's, here's, uh, John the Baptist talking. Now this is John the Apostle's record of John the Baptist. And he's asking and, and, and the Pharisees, uh, verse, let me see, let me take you back here. And they ask him, this is verse 21, what then are you, Elias? And he says, I am not. Art thou that prophet? He answered, no. Talking about John the Baptist. Then said they unto him, who are you then? And, and that we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou? Who are you? The scribes want to know. He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to lose. These things were done in, Bethsa uh, in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. You thought that was the Lamb. That's not the Lamb. The Lamb you all been used to uh, uh, sacrificing every Passover is not the Lamb. Right there is the fulfillment of the Lamb. And it's the last Lamb you will ever sacrifice. Because He will not only cover sin, He will take away the sin of the world. This is He of whom I said after me, cometh the man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing. I've come to show you what you've been looking for. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. Once again we see spiritual overtones. Baptized with natural water, he came to baptize with spiritual water. Uh, here's a dove landing, symbol of the Holy Spirit. In other words, shift your thinking into the realm of spirit, and you'll really see some tremendous treasures here. He said, and it abode upon him, and I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit sitting and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw him bear record that this is the Son of God. Again the next day, after John stood in, and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Then the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Smart move. When you find out that's what you've been looking for, the best thing you can do is start following Jesus. I believe it would have been good for John at that moment to lay his ministry down as well and follow Jesus. And I, 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 There's some things I could say there, but I, I don't want to take time to unpack that. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? 
And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? And he said, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. And the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and he findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. And Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Philip, before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said I, unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. In other words, you ain't seen nothing yet, Nathaniel. And here's what caught my attention that I didn't see when I filmed the first segments. Verse 51, He saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now let me take you back to Genesis chapter 28 and show you where this is a direct quote from and try to make some comparisons here that I believe are powerful. Because when Jesus says to him, from henceforth you will see the angels of God ascend and descend, it is a direct quote from Genesis chapter 28. And here's the story. It's a story of Jacob going to get a bride and get married. And it's not an accident that immediately following this chapter in St. John 1, where he quotes that scripture about angels of God ascending and descending, that you see Jesus at a wedding. Now that's not an accident. Each one of these miracles is not an accident. It's a picture of him coming to get his bride, just like Jacob was on his way to get a bride. And Jacob was on his way to get a bride, and the two women that he deals with, Rachel and Leah, are two women that represent two covenants, Old Covenant and New Covenant. And I, 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 I'm just, I, I'm t well let me read this and then I'll decide whether or not I want to chase that rabbit. Verse 1 says, And Isaac called Jacob, and blessed him, and charged him, and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Paddan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people. And give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee, and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to Bandan Aram unto Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. 
when Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Pandanaram to take him a wife from thence, and that, it, uh, that, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother, and was going to Pandanaram, that Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, then went Esau unto Ishmael, and took unto the wives which he had made, Mahaloth, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebioth, to be his wife. And Jacob went out from Beersheba, and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place, and tarried there all night, because the sun was set, and he took up the stones of that place, and put them for his pillow, and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold a ladder, watch this, set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God, this is what, what John is quoting, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Now, what he's saying to uh, these folks here in John chapter 1, and what he's saying to Nathaniel is, you will see the angels of God ascend and descend. What he's saying to them in John chapter 1 is, right here is the real Bethel. This is the real house of God, and this is where the real angels of God will ascend and descend. And this place right here this person, Jesus Christ, is the stone that you're going to set. He's the one the builders rejected, but He's the one that's going to renew the covenant of the land promise and the promise of Abraham and the blessing of Abraham, because in Hebrews chapter 4, the promised land in the new covenant is not a piece of real estate. It is rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Read Hebrews 4 because everything about the New Covenant is better, and it moves from a natural dimension to a spiritual dimension. There's a better tabernacle, a better temple, there's, there's better blood, there's better sacrifices, there's a better priesthood, there's a better uh, city, there's a better country. Everything about this shifts to the spiritual. But what John is doing is pointing, saying, listen, Moses gave you the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And in John chapter 1, he's, John is telling them, Here's the one who's the fulfillment of the promises we've been looking for. This is the Messiah. This is the seed to whom the promise was made. And they followed him and they believed on him. But he saw the heavens ascend. And I don't think it's an accident that you see a story here also of Esau who goes to Ishmael's house to take a bride. And Jacob goes to the house of Laban. Again, it's a picture. These two women are, are a picture of two covenants. It's, it's so powerful to me that you, you, you can see uh, that these two women, Sarah and Hagar, are a picture of Old Covenant and New Covenant. It's where the place where God renews His covenant. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. It says, Behold, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. 
And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. Thou shalt spread abroad upon the west and the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city was called Luz at the first. I'll come back and talk about the vow. Uh, that Jacob made in perhaps the next segment. But what I want you to see is several things. First of all, he is saying, surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. If that is not exactly what's happening in the Gospel of John with the nation of Israel as he's introducing the Lamb of God, as he's showing them that the real Bethel is Jesus, as he is showing them that the place where the angels of God ascend and descend is truly Jesus standing there. That in fact the gate of heaven is Jesus Christ who is the door and the gate. He is the straight and narrow way into life that's being offered. And as they, they, if they, 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 and and surely this is what so amazes me. Surely the Lord was in that place, and they knew it not. They did not recognize the day of their visitation. I wonder how many times some of us have been right in the presence of God, and surely the presence of the Lord was in that place, and we knew it not, especially when we're about to make our pillow a stone, and we're going through some things, is that sometimes right in the midst of that, the presence of the Lord is in that place, and we knew it not. Or perhaps we could understand that just as Jesus is the Bethel, He is the house of God, and they knew it not, that Paul grabs that later and said, what know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit where God dwells in us, and surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And sometimes we don't recognize it or know it not. Sometimes we don't see the presence of God in the person we marginalize, or in the person that we think is somehow beneath us, and the homeless person, or the hungry, or the widow, or the orphan, or we don't understand that surely the Lord is in that place, and we don't recognize or know that He's in that place. I think sometimes I've been sent to places to speak a word that could bring really apostolic reformation, and they knew it not, and did not recognize the day of their visitation. But I want you to see that they are on their way. He has sent His Son on His way uh, to uh, receive a bride. Let me just make this comparison. I've done this before, but I'm, I'm going to grab it because I, I, I'll probably talk about this more as we get on down in this series. What I love about television is I don't have to say it all in one setting with two or three services. I've got all the time I need. In Galatians 4, we're going to go there. And I'm going to read this to you from the Amplified Bible because it's so powerful here. And it's really the setting is uh, between the Old and the New Covenant. Uh, but let me, it says, this is verse 21, Galatians 4. Tell me, you who are bent on being under the law, do you not listen to what the law really says? 
For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman, Hagar, and one by the free woman, Sarah. That's Jacob, or I'm sorry, that's Isaac and Ishmael. Now out of these two sons comes Jacob and Esau. Jacob is sending his two sons, Jacob and Esau, he's sending first of all his son, Jacob, to receive a bride by the name of Rachel, whose name literally means a lamb. While he's going to the house of Laban to receive a bride from the house of Laban, which is from the seed of Abraham through Sarah, Ishmael is on his way, or I'm sorry, Esau finds it doesn't please his father, and so he goes to the house of Ishmael to receive a bride for himself. To me, this is a powerful picture of the choices that people have today. You can either come to the new covenant and get married to the lamb. I think it's interesting that, the, that Rachel's name means the lamb. He's in love with the lamb. But instead, he gets married to Leah first, and Leah's name means weary. He comes to Laban and said, what do I got to do to get the lamb? And Laban must have been some of the ministry I sat under in my early days of Christianity. He said, if you want the lamb, if you want Rachel, you're going to have to work, son. You're going to have to work seven years. You got to work, and you got to labor, and you got to work and labor. And he works seven years. After seven years, he, he thinks he's going to get Rachel. But instead, he wakes up on the morning after he's consummated this relationship, rolls the veil up, speaks of the law, going to kiss his bride good morning, and he's in bed with Leah, whose name means weary. And also the Bible says concerning her that she was tender-eyed. It means she had something wrong. In other words, I heard somebody say one time she had blue eyes, one blue north, one blue south. And her name also means a wild cow. So Jacob thinks he's going to get Rachel, and instead he wakes up with a wild cow with a dumb look in her eye, and all he got was weary. If that's not a picture of what happens to most of us after we've been in religion for several years, we wake up one morning thinking we're getting the lamb and all we got was weary, and we are grossly and sadly disappointed. But he goes back to Laban and said, you told me I could marry Rachel, the lamb. And he said, well, let me tell you what I'm going to do. He said, I'm, you fulfill the week of Leah's honeymoon, and then you come back and I'm going to give you Rachel, and then you can work for me another seven years. What are you saying, Brother House? I'm trying to tell you that, that what that's a picture of is law and grace. You can't work to get this. Remember, he worked to get Leah, and what he got was weary. But what he got at, when he came back was he got Rachel before he worked. And here's the deal. You can't work to get this, but once you get it, you'll work. In other words, you're not working to get salvation, you're working out of salvation. And every one of these pictures, whether it is Sarah and Hagar, or or uh, uh, Rachel and Leah. All of these are pictures. These two women are two covenants. Down through history, he said, single, barren, and you that did not bring forth, because they're pictures. So here, I want to come back to, uh, again, he's talking to this Jewish nation in Galatians, the fourth chapter. And he says, tell me, you who are bent on being under the law, do you not listen to what the law really says? For it is written that Abraham two sons, one by the slave woman, which is Hagar, and one by the free woman. Now remember Esau goes to Ishmael. Ishmael was the son born to Hagar, Abraham and Hagar. That Abraham faith mixed with human sweat and labor produces an Ishmael. Because Abraham never staggered at 
the promise of God. So he, what he produced even with Ishmael was by faith. You can take your faith and put it in the wrong covenant and still end up with an Ishmael that will persecute the son of the free woman. And, the, and, and it says, uh, the one by the slave woman, Hagar, and one by the free woman, Sarah. But the child of the slave woman was born according to the flesh and had an ordinary birth, which was Ishmael. While the son of the free woman was born in fulfillment of the promise. That's Isaac. Now these facts are about to be used by me, Paul saying, as an allegory. That is, I will illustrate by using them. For these two women can represent two covenants, is what the Amplified Bible says. One covenant originated from Mount Sinai, where the law was given, and that bears children destined for slavery. She is Hagar. Now think about that a minute. Hagar is the old covenant. These women represent two covenants. Now he says, now Hagar is and represents Mount Sinai in Arabia, and she corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. Now, that's, now I want you to see this. Mount Sinai in Arabia, Mount Sinai is where the law was given. It's where the old covenant, this is showing you these two women are two covenants. And one of them Hagar represents Mount Sinai where the law was given in Arabia, and she corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. The Apostle Paul said, not me, the Apostle Paul and your Bible says that natural Jerusalem is Hagar. It is old covenant Israel, and she is in slavery to this day with her children. That's not my opinion, it's what your Bible says. It corresponds to the present day Jerusalem. But Jerusalem above, that is, the way of faith, represented by Sarah, is free and she is our mother. Now I want you to see that. So that the, those of us who were born not of a natural birth, but by a supernatural birth, and that's what he's going to tell Nicodemus in chapter 3, of St. John is, you must be born again. Nick, your natural birth is not enough. I know I am swimming against the tide here and that there is a lot of people trying to get you to go back and become Jewish. Jesus, and I'm not anti-Semitic, I'm just pro-Jesus. Because He never called us to be Jewish. He called us to be Christian. He called us to be His seed and His offspring. He did not call us to go back to Jewish traditions and rituals. As a matter of fact, this whole book of Galatians is written to them to not go back to Judaism. He said, who bewitched you to go back? You are, if you go back to law, you are fallen from grace. I'm telling you right now, I'm of the seed of Abraham. And Jerusalem, which is above, is my mother. That's the new covenant church and the new covenant bride. And it's not an accident that in John chapter 2, Jesus comes to a wedding feast at Cana because it's a picture of his wedding getting married to both Jew and Gentile. Now let me do it. He's not replacing Israel. It's what I call placement theology because the real Israel of God, according to Galatians, is the seed to whom the promise was made in Jesus was that seed. Jesus is the true Israel of God. The issue even in Romans 11 is not whether you are grafted in or you're a natural branch. The issue that Paul was raising is, 
if you're not connected to the vine, and to the, uh, we're the branches. He's the vine. The issue is not uh, the issue is not what kind of a branch you are. The issue is the vine. And if you're not grafted into, the... I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled From Law to Grace: A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving Father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.